JB, I got a little issue here, okay? We're college football guys. Last week, you did a pro, you know, prospect game. You were covering it. Pre-pro, still technically college yeah, athletes sort okay. of. Okay, I, I give you that. But then today we're at a high school. I mean, are you trying to become like the king of all football? Is that what your game plan is here? Well, maybe at least in the city of Orlando, which is where we are tonight on this beautiful January uh, evening. Welcome city beautiful uh, Orlando. City beautiful, yeah. Yep. Uh, at the campus of Lake Highland Prep, where one of my uh, one of my kids goes. Let's see, I got the official family family pass. That's oh me. Um, so, I've yeah. got no such passes because I have no kids. CNL Stadium, the Holloway track and field here, and uh, thanks to Coach Bullock of uh, Lake Highland Prep Football, they were state champs uh, this year. He's a he's a D three guy, and uh, was more than happy to uh, get us a you know, little. It's a big deal in the state of Florida to be a state champ. Uh, Texas, yeah. Florida, Ohio, yep. uh, New York to a degree. I mean, but New Jersey, the Friday Night Lights thing runs deep in those states, and here in Florida. Uh, a lot of Division three head coaches have come basically to recruit because there's just not enough Division one schools in the yeah. state of Florida to accommodate all the talent that's down here. And uh, yeah. Hobart's done it, Union's done it, and uh, some of the teams that we've seen in the playoffs did it as well. Yeah. Speaking of which, we got to tell you about a stag bowl that happened. We're going to name our players of the year and coach of the year. We haven't done that yet. Yeah. We're going to talk about some. Uh, Odd ideas coming up in the NCAA right now. Well, uh, with the sunglasses on, we'll say this is still season 14 of In the Huddle. So as I kind of uh, previewed here, uh, you know, first things first, before we talk about retirements, etc., cetera, uh, we need to talk about uh, the stag bowl that just occurred, uh, JB. I heard there was a Spike Sparkle Man sighting. Two different jackets this year. Very impressive, Frank. Very well may have been. Raised about $1,400 for the Sager Strong Cancer uh, Foundation. And, uh, you know, it wore, wore purplish uh, kind of by accident as the first one. And uh, gold, which people were like, well, that's Mary Harden Bailey other color uh, but that was not the aim they're more of a yellow than yeah. the gold i was wearing out there but uh we did appreciate d3 photography letting us use the photos uh to uh, sort of show it after the fact uh, you know we are not a video broadcast on d3football.com uh, but pat and keith and i uh did our uh, same spiel got some great post-game interviews yep. the final score 57 to 24 in favor of mary harden baylor the national champ that one coming <laughs> <laughs> Even at halftime, we didn't see it coming because yeah. it was 19 to 17, Mary Harden Baylor at halftime. Game, yeah. Jefferson Fritz with that big interception uh, really turned things around in a game that seemed like it was possibly going to turn back to North Central's favor yeah. a little bit. Uh, that interception was huge. It led to, I mean, just a performance that from Kyle King 
uh, we knew he had it in him yeah. to a degree because we had seen that second half against Harden Simmons. But overall, 436 yards passing, 22 for 29, three touchdowns. Just, you know, remarkable. And on the way over here, you were saying it was amazing how he seemed to catch fire yeah. in the playoffs. Take me through your, you know, as a defensive back uh, in your uh, former life, your kudos or thoughts on Kyle King in his season and how it progressed. Well, and you have to give him a lot of credit, too. I mean, literal intestinal fortitude because he had to go to the emergency room, you know, for you know some, some stuff that we had talked to him about leading up to this big game. So it wasn't like he was able to play in every game uh, because of some injuries, had struggled with a little turf toe here and there. Um, but, yeah, when it came to these playoff games, Frank, he was just lights out. I mean, I know, um, you know, Redding filled in for one of the – one of the playoff wins, but when his team needed him, um, you know, King and, and Jordan was really the story of the 2021 postseason. Those two, virtually unstoppable, and kind of going back to what we were yapping about way in the, in the spring of 21, this young offensive line of the Crusaders over time, it took 20 games, you know, but they just learned to dominate and really... Um, it's just a spectacular performance in the Stag Bowl. I, I, I thought the I thought the Crusaders might lose to the Cardinals, and boy, was I wrong. We'll talk more about North Central in a little bit and what this all means for them. But uh, after the game was done, I basically said uh, to hell with asking you the retirement question, Coach Frenberg, because uh, you know what? It, it just never seems to lead to a yes, no matter what, or any kind of accurate information. Just a little sidestep. Yeah, here, always. Right? Yeah. But you know, we we didn't necessarily see it fully coming this time, and then he goes and surprises us a couple weeks later with the announcement that he is retiring. Coach Harmon is taking over, defensive coordinator. Uh, he did head coach for them. Yep. Uh, that Albright game that I attended a couple years ago uh, mm-hmm. when they went up there and <laughs> well, they tested the lights in the scoreboard in that game, yeah, that's for sure. sure did. But uh, he has the experience. Uh, he's going to have to restaff his coordinators and other coaches uh, pretty much in their entirety, it seems like, as we've seen Coach Lee and Coach Thrash on the offensive side. Albion and Christian, I think they've... Abilene, Abilene, Abilene Christian. Abilene, yep. that's the right word, yeah. Yep, but uh, they are going to be uh, going over there. So uh, it'll be a def- definite change, uh, but I have a feeling Fredenberg, who his daughter, Corey, admits has no real hobbies as she could identify in our <laughs> pregame show uh, back when, uh, will still be involved. Uh, yeah. you, you don't leave your imprint on that, and I know... Co- Chairman Emeritus. Yep, <laughs> Coach Harmon is going to make sure he embraces that. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Coach Icerny with Coach King at RPI, you Absolutely. know, welcoming him back to always talk to the uh, players so they know what where the roots are uh, with that program. Uh, and uh, best of luck in retirement, Coach Frenberg. Uh, we do appreciate the time you've given us over the years, uh, for sure. Um, so there's the winners, and Kyle King has said repeatedly to us in different formats he'll be back. Yep. Um, one player that will not be back for North Central is Andrew Kaminsky. And, uh, you know, North Central first will take uh, the team as a whole here. Uh, they took it pretty hard, as you would expect, That the way that second half went. Yeah. Uh, you know, they weren't the ones crying about the question of, you know, was there running up the score going on? The players sort of just kind of watched after the, uh, the game and stayed out there for a while uh, after they lost in the Stag Bowl. Uh, but... It sort of was, I think, for Coach Thorne and company, making them sit through that to more than I've seen other losing teams in a sag ball. Kind of like, I want you to take this in, 
mm. remember remember the feeling of it because yeah. the guys that are coming back you need to remember this to win it next time around thoughts now on north central what that loss means to them well, it certainly, I mean, it had knocked them off a pretty high pedestal because they had, you know, really had run the table um, for a good portion of the 2019 and 2021 season and did so convincingly that it seemed like they were a slam dunk to become, you know, back-to-back over a extra year period thanks to COVID. Um, but the, the Cardinals still have a lot of the key ingredients to get them back to this championship game. Uh, Luke Lennon, I think, is only a sophomore. Um Greenfield, the um, running back. Ethan, yeah. Yeah, Ethan Greenfield. He's amazing. He's like a bowling ball. <laughs> just cr- like running over guys left and right. Um, but, you know, I think the the probably the best learning opportunity that, that North Central will have is kind of figuring out. And they, they did deal with some injuries on the offensive line. And I think we saw that in the second half with some of the struggles that they had moving the ball. You know, if they can fortify that that core group up there, they'll, they'll be back in the conversation. Kaminsky, I had a great time um, covering him at the Hula Bowl here in Orlando. He's working out in Boca right now, hoping for a shot at the NFL or maybe the USFL, which is this new spring league that may or may not have it. We don't really know how they're going to be getting players, but it's another opportunity um, for him, possibly the XFL, which I think is another year out. Um, and so we'll see. Uh, Kaminsky's really the one one player, I think, in Division Three right now that has that kind of opportunity like we've seen in the past. I don't know if he gets drafted like a Ben Barch or a, you know, Quinn Maynard or anything like that. He'll probably go the UDFA route, maybe you know play a little in the U- USFL if he gets a chance. But we'll, we'll keep our eyes on him and we wish him all the best. Yeah, getting that invitation is unique. This is not a pay-for-play type of bowl no. game. Uh, there are plenty of those that we've uh, experienced and seen along the way, but this is an uh, invite-only scenario, and he was the only Division Three player invited. I uh, got a chance to speak a little bit with uh, our friend Andrew Kaminsky and talk about the Stag Bowl and what's next for him. And uh, this will not be our only foray into you know the draft and the pro prospects, etc. We'll be doing a lot more about that during the postseason, uh, intermittently, I guess I should say, yeah. uh, as we get closer to it. Uh, but uh, here's a little beginning discussion about what to expect next. Andrew, welcome to Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, we'll get to why you're here in a second, but uh, you know a lot of folks uh, wanted to hear kind of a little further removed now from the Stag Bowl, mm-hmm. what your feelings were about that night yeah. and what what's next for the team? Because obviously you're close with a lot of guys, Luke and the entire team. Mm-hmm. Take me through that night, uh, your, your kind of emotions after, especially halftime when you guys yeah. are down by two and then things just kind of went haywire. You yeah. get a little banged up. Take me through mm-hmm. that night. Yeah, I mean, that night was a little bit of a bittersweet feeling as obviously the outcome wasn't what we expected, wasn't what we wanted, but it was a humbling experience to show that, okay, yeah, we're there's other teams, there's other good competition out there, and I hope for the guys that are still there at North Central, like Ethan Greenfield, Luke, uh, D'Angelo Hardy, those type of guys of remember that feeling and take that into this offseason to not have that feeling again. So as we uh, went back in the locker room, everybody shared like our their story. They were talking, and everyone was still being emotional. And I was kind of the guy to say, "Hey guys, like, look what we've done the last two years to change this program around. To now we can be considered a powerhouse in Division Three football." So 
there's a lot of positives to take away from it, and there's a lot, there's negatives also. So it was it was a good experience, and then I just hope those guys have learned from it, and that I know from talking to them still that they're attacking it hard in the off season, and they I know they can't get wait they can't wait to get back on the field next year. I noticed something that it kind of is enduring in an image for me because I've done this for a number of years mm-hmm. at the Stag Bowl. The losing team usually goes straight to the locker room, gets their press conference, and gets yeah. out of dodge. North Central stayed in that field yeah. for a long time. In fact, right as I was getting off the field, out doing all my post-game stuff, they were finally starting, uh, your, mm-hmm. your team was starting to get off the field. Was that kind of by design by the coaches that they kind of say stay out here, or was that the players saying we want to we want to watch this to feel this? What was going on there? No, so we have our after every game we have our tradition chant, and then just Coach Jeff was talking to us, and then we were all just taking in the moment. We didn't expect to be out there as long as we were, and it was just kind of a feel thing. Everybody was saying goodbye to the seniors. Everybody was going around saying hey, good season, all that stuff. So it wasn't on purpose that we were out there that long, and we kind of just let Mary Hart and Baylor do their thing, and we didn't want to avoid. I also wanted to go and shake hands again and talk uh, more with a couple of their guys, congratulate them on a great season and all that. So I no, respect to them. It was a great game. They great coach and respect to him for retiring. I, mean, I hope he enjoys retirement and of as he should. Yep. And uh, it was, like I said, it was an experience that I'll never forget. I, I did see you seek out Kyle King very early yeah. on, and uh, you were definitely respectful to the max. So mm-hmm. anybody that would think otherwise, it, yeah. that was not the case. You guys were tremendously respectful on the field. So I'm glad you did yeah. address that. Now, mm-hmm. okay, the game ends, yep. and you knew you had the Hula Bowl coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, JB kind of chronicled that last week. Give me a self-assessment about that weekend. I, we tell a lot of people that the game itself isn't where a lot of the things that need to happen at those yeah. events happen. Give us what happened even before that event. So bef- leading up to that event, I had known I wanted to make a decision on which agency I was going to sign with. So I took that week to kind of just gather my thoughts, uh, not really talk to any outside information besides just me, my mom, and my dad. And I informed my brother a little bit about what I had uh, intended to do. So I made a decision to sign with Brandon Stevenson at uh, Next Gen Sports, a fairly new uh, agency, uh, taking a risk. And I have loved every second of it so far. And they got me down here early a week before the Hula Bowl to get acclimated into the weather because I'm not used to the heat and how much your body's going to change and how much more water intake you need. So they wanted me to get down here and understand and get acclimated to the weather. And then leading up to the Hula Bowl, that was uh, an awesome experience for me to be the only Division Three kid there going up against Power 5 schools, Power 5 talent, and it was it was crazy. So first practice is Tuesday, and it was a rude awakening for me. It's you're, you're lining up, and there's a guy across from you who you've never seen someone at this, uh, at that size, that uh, physicality, who's way more athletic to me. I've played against way better receivers than me, so it was, Tuesday was a little rough. I got once I got my balance and understood what I need to do and how much more technical it is. Tuesday or and then Wednesday and Thursday, I think I uh, had showcased my skills pretty well. That okay, yeah, I can play at this level. It's just going to take me a little bit to get used to it. And then the game comes around on Saturday, and that's what everybody expected to be it's going to be a little bit unorganized it's hard it's hard to play a game when you only had a week of practice the game plan isn't what everyone's expecting and then some guys uh don't show up to the game because their agent's telling them not to so it's like it was just once the game came everyone was like all right let's just go in and showcase our skills and can get get out and get healthy and then on the pro day training with the uh you know targets and whatnot uh, 
again, it's tough to get targeted with that many yeah. guys involved too, uh, with all the uh, talent out there. But we did notice you had some great blocks uh, mm -hmm. downfield as receiver, and uh, some of the intangibles that we brought up about your season yeah. uh, overall in 2021, uh, kind of that role player yeah. uh, type mentality. Uh, assess that part of it, though, the game itself for you. Yeah, so I just took it as an experience to showcase every part of the game. You know, what I mean, a receiver is supposed to run routes, they're supposed to go down the field and make catches, but it's the blocking, the what are you doing when the ball's not coming your way? So I wanted to just showcase and show everybody that I could do all aspects of the game, punt returning, kick returning, all of that type of stuff. So I just took that week to just say, I'm going to do whatever the coaches want for me, whatever the scouts want, whatever they ask. It's, I was just there to be a team player like I always have been. So then you drive three hours south, basically, mm -hmm. to Boca Raton, Florida, where we are right now yep. at the Sinesta Select. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to them for uh, yeah, welcoming exactly. us here. Yep. But, uh, you know, what are you doing here? Uh, where, where are you guys working out? And, mm -hmm. you know, whose idea was it ultimately? Yeah, so uh, when I had uh, originally signed with Brandon Stevenson, uh, he had told me that I'm going to be training with Game Face, and they are based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. But then he had told me they had just partnered with Lifetime, and they had a great facility down here. They want to move their pro day training down here so you can get outside. You don't have to worry about waking up and it's dark outside up in Minnesota and it's negative 10 and snowing. Like we want, we want our guys to be able to come outside, get acclimated to nice weather, get in a good environment and just w pretty much work every day. And it, that's what it's been. It's been, a sh it's been a grind since I've been here. And it's, it's something that I've never been a part of and I love it. How sore are you? Oh, uh, I actually not too bad. They do a good job of recovery. They do a whole bunch of stuff. I get massages every day and recovery, the Normatec boots, ice baths, all that type of stuff. Now, one of your closest friends, obviously, was Brock Rutter, who mm -hmm. went through the process, yeah. essentially. Uh, got signed by the 49ers and COVID and other yeah. things uh, interfere with uh, his trajectory there. But he had the opportunities. He went through a lot of this process. Mm -hmm. What is his advice to you, Ben, in this whole thing? He's. Uh, he told me the day I got down here, I gave him a call just to ask him what I was like what to expect and what to expect from the hula bowl and he said it's gonna be it's gonna be weird you're gonna you're gonna be alone he's like not a lot of guys know you they don't care who you are so it's like just stay positive go out there play your game and he's like just do what you need to do he's like don't go out there and be nervous don't don't fall under the pressure he's been a real help throughout me this entire process and obviously we remain in touch to this day and I can't ever thank him for that when did you yourself say to yourself, basically, pro football, this is going to be something I want to actually try to go out and do? Mm -hmm. I know we all have the dreams of, yeah. you know, the pros when we play sports as kids, but, you know, there's a reality check that comes along, too. Mm -hmm. When did you say to yourself, this could actually happen? This is yeah. possibly real. So I got a lot of attention after the 2019 season and the ridiculous numbers our offense put up. So you get a little bit of, okay, maybe this could uh, potentially happen after my senior year and uh, I started to realize that I actually have a chance uh, once all the scouts started coming to North Central it was throughout every day fall camp a couple times throughout the week during the season to realize that okay yeah there are a lot of eyes on me and I have to take this opportunity so it was about midway through my senior of the 2021 uh, season my senior season that I was gonna have a chance to come and play if it's not NFL, there's mm -hmm. USFL, there's other uh, avenues out there, there's European uh, football we've mm -hmm. seen too, but I mean, for you, 
you've seen your friend not necessarily get as far as he wanted to in this whole thing. What is your plan B? Is there a plan B here, or are you just focused right now on plan A and that's it? How do how do you face this? I mean, there's obviously gonna have you gotta have plan Bs. I mean, obviously you get you go to college, you get your degree, so that's always something you can fall back on. But right now, your plan A is in my mind. It's my like lifelong dream is couple months away so it's right now there's no reason for me to focus on a plan b the like my education my degree from north central will take care of itself if football doesn't continue and you know me i'm a football guy i'm gonna i'm gonna play in the nfl whether i can or can't canada any one of those leagues as long as i'm around the game still that's what i've always wanted to do and canada yeah absolutely i forgot that one of the mix there but there are opportunities out Mm -hmm. there for sure what's coach thorne been saying He's been super, super supportive. He's just been asking me to fill in, uh, just keep him informed about what I'm doing, to bring new stuff back to North Central to get the guys that are still there that might have the same opportunities that me and Brock have so that they're more prepared than we are. So, I mean, Coach uh, Jeff, Coach Thorne, Coach Spencer, Coach Janicek, the whole coaching staff, NCC family has been nothing but supportive uh, for me since the day I walked on campus, and I'll never be able to repay him for that. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First, uh, to talk to folks out there, uh, to the players that have the dream, mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, a lot of people are out there telling them, no, it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Don't don't think it's going to work out. Yeah. Give them kind of the pep talk of, you know, w- where this could go. I mean, mm-hmm. look at you. You get the Hula Bowl invite yeah. and everything else. Tell them, tell any player watching right now what they have to do to at least get the opportunity to showcase. You just have to do everything the right way. You be a team first guy. Don't be that selfish guy and you have to live it. Football is not a thing where you can just go out there on Saturday and perform the way you think you can. It's hours of film study. It's the right night nutri- right nutrition. It's the uh, like the weight room. It's helping the younger guys, getting them up to speed. As you saw that we did with Luke this year. It's 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 a team sport and that's what everyone needs to start understanding because there's so many I I want to do this or I can do this but it should be as a team we can do it in order to have those guys be able to have the opportunity that I have. Your feelings basically your team helped showcase you ultimately because 100%. it was a team effort yep. mm-hmm. and especially at well the receiver's said. position. Well said. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a mature thing too yeah. because there is a lot of I I I unfortunately yep. when you get to the upper levels. And then you know what we do at the end of every interview with a player mm-hmm. and you still qualify here uh, any shout outs any family or friends out there yeah, I just want to shout out my mom my dad for doing everything that they do my twin brother out in Arizona I talk to him every day grandparents uh, my mom's mom and dad my dad's mom and dad my friends back home who support me every day and then uh, I'm gonna give a special shout out to our assistant receiver coach at North Central uh, Dylan Warden Whew, I'm gonna get a little emotional with this one but uh without him I wouldn't be playing football anymore he's uh He's a really special dude. Um, um, and then I'm going to uh, shout out uh, North Central. They have done everything for me and given me the opportunities and the tools to succeed, and I couldn't be thankful. And I'm going to ask you the question. Tell me the story of yeah. why, why you attribute it to Dylan it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I, uh, I transferred, originally transferred from Winona State uh, University at my freshman year, uh, I came to North Central and day one pulled my quad, popped my quad and was out for two and a half weeks and I was I was inches away from just saying, all right, I'm done playing football, this isn't meant for me. I was the lowest of lows and not even knowing him, he had texted me and said, hey, Andrew, hey, can you come meet me in my car and let's just talk. And 
I'm not going to go into detail about what that conversation was because it's between me and him. But from that day forward, he's been a mentor to me, my best friend, and some, someone that I'll look up to for forever. So you go from nearly quitting to now a pro prospect. This is that time when it doesn't matter what color you wear on the field in Division mm-hmm. Three. everybody's rooting for you. Ask Quinn yeah. Miners, ask mm-hmm. Ali Marpet, and everybody in between. Uh, this is everybody rooting for you right now. Mm-hmm. So do us proud. You already are doing mm-hmm. us proud. But let's see where this goes, my friend. Good luck to you. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming out here. Thank you. And thanks again to Andrew for all his time and uh, allowing us to, you know, kind of dive in here a little bit deeper. Uh, yeah. He was great with you on Saturday at the Hula Bowl or last mm-hmm. Saturday yep. and uh, with me as well. So thanks to him. Um, okay. So pro stuff coming up, uh, like we said, uh, in another show uh, or a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, one thing we did not do uh, yet this season, and I, I think that it's time to do it, and we're not going to release it like we did with the Twitter series we did in the spring. Uh, yes. Uh, we are going to actually name, at this point, uh, our Players of the Year, and that's going to be on offense, defense, special teams, rookie slash newcomer, however you want to look at it, and Coach of the Year. We'll start with Coach in a second, but I want to give you the opportunity to kind of put the asterisk on this, and this is sort of similar to what we said back in the spring in terms of how we go about in the selection process in the first place. Take it away. Yeah, so in in making these selections, I very intentionally told Frank, we can't pick any of the guys that D3Football.com did. I mean, they got honored already, and they're great picks. I mean, you could definitely, you know, Jefferson Fritz, yeah. You know, Blaine Haskins, Hawkins. You did it again. See that? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can name Blaine Haskins as somebody that... Yeah, can some some quarterback, last name of Haskins, come bail me out one of these years? Uh, So, anyway, so some things never change in the new year. Um, But, yeah, we wanted to try to to sort of think outside of the box. We weren't going to look at, like, the All-American sheets and all that, because there were some guys who were first-team All-American here. They were not on any lists everywhere else. So there's a little bit of subjective criteria in here that, that we used. Um, but, yeah, we just thought it would be nice to recognize some, some other guys who had outstanding seasons, and so there you go. Yeah, it shouldn't be viewed as your second class uh, if you're being named by us because we oh, actually feel in our <laughs> our selection process we're involving uh, some other aspects of it that should be included in D3Football.com and vice versa. So we can't argue against who I helped pick uh, in yeah, the ATM podcast. Yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, th- there were things, now that we're a little bit more removed from the playoffs, especially, we could look at the playoffs and say, playoffs. who really was that kind of but for cause of them being in the playoffs or, you know, getting far enough into the playoffs. And that's the type of stuff that we really want to take a step back and look at. We'll start with Coach of the Year. Um, I got to be honest, and this shouldn't be a surprise to people that watch us. And for those that are going to sit out there and tool on us that we disrespect him or his team this season, uh, you need to take a step back and think (laughs) about the entirety of of what we did this season to try to support this team. And I probably have given it away now, but Coach Isernia uh, of RPI deserves tremendous credit for what he was able to do to bring together his team because the school didn't allow them to be brought together really on the football field the way that you would expect uh, during parts of COVID where other schools were able to. They weren't, and yet they were able to get as deep as they did into the playoffs. Lead eight, yeah. Losing against North Central, but who didn't, really? Uh, And, you know, they were a buzzsaw, we know. But 
you know, Ralph Isernia, I said it to him in person. I'm going to say it again. His best coaching performance ever, and that includes the Johns Hopkins uh, visit a couple years uh, earlier, a couple mm-hmm. seasons earlier and everything. This was the best to me. Your yeah. thoughts? Well, I, I remember when I got to finally meet coach in person um, after all these years on the field at the ECAV and um, I, my my sort of like you know tongue-in-cheek joke to him was like just give us something good to talk about you know this is what you know we're a talk show right and there was nothing you couldn't I mean every single week there was something exciting to talk about with RPI the way they just would come back from these you know these random circumstances like the the onside kick call in the union shoes you know the shoes game that was crazy what a perfectly timed I mean you know the they they beat um, you know they beat Cortland on the road which was a big you know you know that was big, a huge a huge, huge game and that was another you know this the the combination of play calling the just the fact that those guys never quit like they were literally you know so many games decided by a single point or three points or four points or something it was crazy so cardiac city yeah so um, I know Coach Ralph probably got a few more gray hairs under that visor of his but uh, you know we're we're right there with you Coach and congratulations you are our national coach of the year. Yeah, we probably should call it coach of the season, basically, yeah. Yeah, because we, uh, we did have the 2021 scenario, so we'll call it the uh, coach of the 2021 fall season. Uh, and with the rest of these, so we may actually accidentally keep saying coach of the year or player of the year. So apologize for that, but you get our meaning here, ultimately. And hopefully we'll never have to make this distinction ever again. <laughs> yes, much, please. Much like saying that Mary Harden Baylor won 20 games in the calendar year, which is uh, a tie for the record with another team that that did it this past year, right. which was uh, North uh, Dakota State, I believe. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There you go. Yes, yes, Making right. history in ways that we hope to never see again. Right. Uh, offensive Player of the Year. This Haskins? Uh, no, it's not. Oh. Nor is it Hawkins, uh, because right. of the reasons we discussed earlier. <laughs> but it is a uh, name that we did name earlier in this yes, show. Yes, it is. And uh, congratulations to Kyle King. Uh, those stats I read from the Stag Bowl were not an anomaly, ultimately. That second, ha- second half versus Hard Simmons, if he did not put together his second half in that game, Mary Harden Baylor may not have made the playoffs based no. on how the ASC was treated in Pool C, ultimately. Yeah. It was a huge situation that he matured before your, our very eyes mm-hmm. on that field and brought them back in that game. And, uh, you know, Kyle Jones uh, did a great job trying to get his team to bounce back after all that. Yeah. But the quarterback of the night clearly was Kyle King that night and under the lights at the Stag Bowl in Canton. Yeah, and like we said before, Kyle had to overcome some, you know, some injuries, uh, you know, new guys on the offensive line, just a lot of new uh, moving parts. But, you know, and it's really his first year as a starting quarterback to, to pull off what he did, especially in the Stag Bowl National Championship game, now national television, 335, 36 passing yards, three touchdowns, unbelievable, uh, just Four, awesome. 400. 400. 300. <laughs> yeah. 435. Yeah. 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 He, he, math. No one, they said 436 officially, at least, so okay. I'm looking at uh, when they uh, sorted there would be out. No math. Yeah, there would be no math, and yeah. still isn't. I got it for you. Right. I got the answers. But uh, no, Kyle King, congratulations. Uh, the offensive player of the fall 2021 season for In the Huddle. Uh, Let's go to newcomer slash rookie, uh, and it makes sense to do it here. Yeah. Um, it, the counterpart, basically, to Kyle King in that game, uh, people might discount 
his season based on one game, and we're here to tell you not to do so. Yeah, he's going to be a name you'll be saying a lot over the next three years. Absolutely. Luke Lanin, I mean, I can't remember a scenario like this very much. Okay, Mary Harden Baylor had a freshman quarterback technically in the Stag Bowl back in 2017 uh, and lost that game ultimately, but yeah. that was not the same scenario where you had Luke Lanin start and finish his quarterback for North Central. And he had to mature on the fly. There's no doubt. He, he played baseball for North Central in the spring. I get that. Uh, so, you know, he had maturity in sports at the college level already. But playing football, trying to repeat as a national champion when you weren't the quarterback as that national champion in the first place, it takes a special player to be that. And Luke Lannon is our newcomer rookie of the fall 2021 season. And what are your thoughts on that man's performance? I mean, yeah, he was the the classic dual threat, right? He could, you know, he could throw the ball, he can run. Um, we saw that kind of right out of the gate in that first, you know, huge game against Wheaton, what he was kind of bringing to the table. And, and you know, after coming, uh, you know, to follow a guy like Brock Rutter, who was such a great quarterback for North Central, um, you know, not small shoes to have to fill. And he got in there, you know, they, they ran, ran the table all the way to pretty much the halftime of the Stag Bowl. I mean, you know, it was one of those things, I think injuries and other things kind of caught up with the Cardinals in there in the second half, some uh, individual matchups that just didn't go their way. Uh, but otherwise, that team was kind of perfect there for a, a long run. And they'll be back again, um, probably you know, just as strong, if not, who knows, maybe even stronger in, in the fall of next fall. I don't know if you remember uh, the uh Discussion or the the fun skit we did with the players and yes. players saying, <laughs> yeah, but his long division answer as uh, when Dakota Kremens uh, asked him, uh, "What would you do for show and tell?" and long division was his answer. Uh, it actually highlights this is a smart player, yeah. not just on the football field, but smart in general. And I guess it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody uh, when you put the factors of sports, just having that kind of, kind of competitive edge playing two sports at North Central and the, the brains behind it, that he's going to be a success with that skill that he has because he knows mm -hmm. how to use it and will continue to grow with it as well. So congratulations to him. I know maybe it's a little bittersweet with the ending their season had, but still we hope that he can take some excitement from the fact he's our newcomer rookie of the fall 2021 season here on in the huddle that leaves defense and special teams so we're going to start with defense and this was this was tricky tough. Yeah. yeah this was tricky because there really wasn't and and we even saw this in the playoffs i think frank that there wasn't like a single guy who had like a you know a game or a series of games that just totally dominated and you know past years we've you know we've seen you know guys like Tyree Coleman who like set the sack record and we've seen um, you know other other players have these certain statistics but this year wasn't quite that way so we sort of took a little different track on this to try to think of guys who were situationally um, athletically you know guys who could play almost like multiple positions like the, their, their defensive coaches you know would put them out on a receiver if they had to or they would put them inside as a linebacker you, you know I think you know where I'm going with this yes I do um, so we factored all that in and I think this this pick while you know some people might be like well he wasn't even the you know the number one you know all-conference defensive player that's not the picture here like this guy this guy led his team into a conference title in, into the playoffs went head-to-head -head with Mountain Union and really gave them, you know, about as close a call, you know. So I think that this, you know, if, if 
based on all this different kind of criteria we're throwing out here, then it would make sense that this guy should be the defensive player of the season. Congratulations to Muhlenberg linebacker Spencer Kieran. Uh, and when we look at defense here, we include a little bit of his special team's fourth down defensive play as well. Uh, with four block punts or block kicks on the season, yeah, uh, and that changed the whole their, their season. The Hopkins game, yeah. the uh, block six that he got yeah. basically yeah. in that punt, turned that game around because that game was going nowhere fast for the offenses for both teams, mm -hmm. and he gave them at least that spot that put Johns Hopkins behind the eight ball for the rest of the game. Yep. And his play in that Mount Union game, the leadership that he exuded throughout the season. We said it about Ian Barr, who was a yep. linebacker from Westminster, our spring, spring yep. uh, player of the year on defense. If you like Ian Barr, you gotta love Spencer Kieran for the same yep. reasons. And as you said, they would put him out on receivers as linebacker uh, without much problem. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. maybe the size uh, situation is part of that when yeah, we talked to Spencer. Part, that's part of D3 too, though. <laughs> yeah, we talked to him about it in our interview with him uh, leading into that game yeah. in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. But, you know, JB, when you really look at the the quality of play, the quality of leadership, it was tough to get off that name. In fact, we've talked to Nate Mill. We're like, do you think we're uh, off our rocker for this? And he's like, no, absolutely not yeah. when you look at it. Yeah. Any final thoughts on him? No, he just, you know, he just made big plays when he had to um, and helped his team win some really critical games. And, and that versatility, that, you know, sort of ability to do multiple roles is, is really something that stands out in a year where, you know, to be honest, there wasn't a like a singular uber dominant defensive player that I can think of right off the top of my head. And even when you look through the, the statistic books in the NCAA website, you know, there are some guys who had a lot of, a lot of sacks and interceptions, but there some of their teams just didn't advance as far as Muhlenberg did. And I think you've got to factor that into the equation. The Dalvals of the world, for instance, yeah. who had a great team of defense, there's oh, no yeah. doubt. Absolutely. Uh, Wheaton's Dallas McRae is somebody we uh, tossed around as well. He can't mm -hmm. shortchange his season as well. But uh, when we just looked at the top to bottom, uh, all the components we try to check off in this, Spencer Kieran yeah. is our defensive player of the season for fall season. 2021 on In the Huddle. And finally, special teams. I mean, it's tough to look away from this player, despite the fact they didn't have a deep playoff run. And yep. part of the blame of that is putting an undefeated team against St. John's was, I don't think, the right move by nah, the committee. But That was a penny pincher, but what are you going to do? Let's talk about A.J. Jackson, who uh, I think he's still running back punts or touchdowns, <laughs> even the offseason right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, don't in, kick the ball to that guy, guys. Come no. <laughs> uh, I mean, you want to talk about a singular player. I mean, a great receiver. Don't yes, get me wrong. But absolutely. But just teams would kick to him. And kick to him, and kick to him, yeah, and keep regretting it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 forgive this uh, statement, but it was a dumbass move uh, to yes, do it that much. Indeed, okay, folks, indeed. and we are a family show, and I think I need to <laughs> underline that word for anybody that yeah. would kick to him. Uh, AJ Jackson from Lake Forest. The Foresters have a Player of the Season in special teams. Mm -hmm. uh, any thoughts there? No, I mean you know in a year where we saw we did see some some pretty strong kicking and other performances. Um, you know I think. Bob Boswell from Hobart had a you know few you know pretty awesome kick return touchdowns, but it, it seemed like every week we were talking about AJ Jackson either returning a punt or a kickoff or a touchdown. Plus, he's a great wide receiver. He's all American. Um, just seemed to check all the boxes, and you know we didn't see any you know guys you know kicking 50-yard field goals every week. So I think you know kind of a no-brainer. Let's review uh, coach of the season Ralph Icerni of RPI. 
offensive player of the season, Kyle King, quarterback from Mary Harden Baylor, who's claims he'll be back, so we'll see if he can repeat next yep. season. Uh, defensive player of the season was Spencer Kieran, senior from Muhlenberg. The special teams player of the season, A.J. Jackson from Lake Forest, and the... Oh, Coach Cap guys. Yes, and the uh, newcomer slash rookie of the season, Luke Lanen, quarterback, freshman technically, of North Central. JB, uh, we talked about in the open. Uh, we are on location on this special show, and yep. I will let you do the introductions here. Well, I, I, we have with us a state championship undefeated coach from here in Orlando, Lake Highland Prep. The Highlanders uh, ran it all the way back to a state title this year, and we have, you know, a D three guy leading the way. You know, I appreciate and, it. And so we, like, how can we not? You know, we're in the D three football huddle. We got to have Coach Ben Bullock on. So, uh, you know, Frank was asking me earlier. Or, you know, a little bit about your background. Why don't you tell the you know the folks like your D three roots? Yeah, I um, well, I appreciate it. First of all, it was a great season. Our kids and our coaches did a great job. It was Absolutely. it was an unbelievable season to be able to go undefeated and win a state championship here, and uh, it's awesome to be able to talk uh, football in beautiful Florida weather right now too. Yeah, um, it's not so bad, right? <laughs> my background: I, I grew up in, in upstate New York. Grew up in Binghamton, New York, a yep. little town called Maine, and uh, went to Maine Annual High School. Um, coached by Coach Dick Russ, and then I was fortunate enough to go and play for Coach Salomon and Port State um, yeah. was there in 1999, 2000. 2000 was our undefeated regular season and lost to a great, great Springfield team in the first round. And then uh, 2001 had another great season, nine and one, and um, lost to Rowan in the first round. Back when Rowan was was the beast. Of the East. Yes. The East. they were they were they were awesome. Um, yeah. Really good team. We had them tight in the fourth quarter and just couldn't pull it off. And, and that was I, I still remember that was the goal of the following year in 2002 was to get to Rowan and and beat Rowan at Rowan. And uh, we were fortunate we played Springfield again in the first round. Um, went down the Rowan, beat Rowan at Rowan, and then we lost to a, a fantastic John Carroll team in the in the Elite Eight. Um, I remember that Tom Arth. Tom, Tom Arth. Yeah. yeah, I mean Tom yeah. Arth. Tom Arth was coaching at Chattanooga, and I believe at Akron, and yep. he's been a couple different places, but he was unbelievable. I and mean, that game was uh, 10-10 with 20 seconds left. We go to kick a field goal, they block it, go to overtime, and, and Tom Arth took over there and won 16-10. So it was, yeah. you know, I am. Um, you know, a lot of my coaching, my playing, that my time in Division Three football really shaped a lot of, you know, what we do here and, and my time coaching. And, and if it wasn't for those opportunities with Coach Salomon, that's kind of where I got my jump into coaching. I ended up being an intern the next year after getting done playing. Yeah. Um, was a graduate assistant. I was full time for three years after that there. So I was five years there as a as a coach. Yeah. Four as a player. So I spent more time there coaching than I did actually playing. So now I was a player in Division Three, coach there. Moved on to Hartwick College as the defensive coordinator for four years with Coach Carr. It was awesome to get an opportunity to coach with him there in Oneana. And yeah. uh, and then when I got done there in 2011, was our last season in 2012, I moved here to Florida with my wife. My wife was already here in Orlando, and okay. we decided to make Orlando our home. And been here ever since so i've been here i've been here since about 2012 too so yeah. right around there yeah. almost 10 years i can't believe it's been 10 years already yeah, it's so. crazy we were talking earlier uh john audino was kind of my exposure to this point of division three recruiting florida uh over at union he seemed to have some good inroads down in the state especially uh, south florida area are you noticing compared to when you started coaching a few years back we'll call it at this point a, a more pronounced appearance by division three coaches coming into the state of florida to find the talent that division one just can't absorb here in florida yeah i think i think definitely especially in my 10 years obviously i only got 10 years of experience down here as a head coach but only, i've definitely huh? seen <laughs> a decade like, is still you know, we've got we've got we've got some great coaches down here that have been here a while yeah. but they you know i tell my my time here not even growing up here but just in the 10 years that you've seen 
a, a definite increase in, in the schools that are coming down here to recruit, whether it be via the, the recruiting fairs in February where you'll go to Lake Wales or or even there's a spot here in Central Florida where colleges can come down and meet with many players and coaches in a, in a relatively short period of time or they come and visit. You know, for us, you know, because of the style of school we are, we'll get a, a high amount of, you know, NESCAT schools. We have two players right now, one at Wesley and one at Hamilton um, in that league. So, you know, because of our, our academics, you know, that's a, a great place for, for those schools to come find a player outside the Northeast would be at a school like ours in Florida. So yeah. Now, if we could just get the NESCAC to be in the playoffs and uh, <laughs> see how they measure against that, the other teams. That's beyond my pay. Yeah, 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 all, somebody ours, else. Yeah, all of somebody ours. Else. Never figure that one out. <laughs> Take it away, sir. Well, um, you know, Coach, as far as, like, the, the this actual past football season, I mean, sure. obviously we all know what we went through with COVID. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, like Coach Asernia from RPI and how they you know, they struggled to get their practices together. You know, the school was really not helping them out along that time period. Um, how what, What's it been like for you? I mean, obviously, you know, Florida has been a little more open um, mm-hmm. than some of the other states in some respects. But as a coach and all the different COVID protocols and all that. I mean, what was it like for you guys to go through and did it make that, you know, this season that much better? I mean, obviously going undefeated is great, but yeah. You know, after, you know, after what you had to overcome. Our, our school, I think, you did. You know, we were a much more conservative approach than maybe some of our schools around the area, but I think we did a great job of, of balancing all of it, balancing the safety of our kids um, while also trying to get our kids back to doing in-school education, in-school athletics and things like that. Yeah. So I think we did a great job here of trying to find that balance of, of, of safety but also getting back to, to actual in-school. And we've yeah. been in school since that time, since August of 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, it started out for us, you know, in that time when we were home of uh, Zoom meetings and things that some other people did. Our kids did a great job of that. And then we got to some some socially distant workouts in the summertime. And then we didn't really start uh, practicing until the second week of September and started playing games in October. Yeah. A shortened season in 2020, but we were able to play. And, and you know, we talked to our kids a lot about being grateful for the opportunity to, to get out there and play because we knew, mm-hmm. unfortunately, some other areas in the country weren't able to yet. Yeah. Um, got out there and played in 2020. I really felt we, 2020, we could have made an even bigger jump for us in the program, but because of not having a spring and a summer, kind of, we had to kind of put things there quickly and go play some games and yeah. it wasn't quite the jump then coming into this year being able to get into a, a full school year a spring practice a summer like we do here in Florida yeah. um, we really made a, another huge jump and really kind of catapulted us in there I think our kids did a really good job of not making excuses for that time and finding a way to still improve whether they were home or away or we had to be apart we didn't really make excuses about it. we found a way still to improve ourselves and our team yeah and we made the best of that time and actually got something out of that time and that propelled us into 2021 so mm-hmm. i think you could have gone two ways you could complain about the loss of time or mm-hmm. you could have done something about it that was within your control yeah and got better and i think our kids did a great job of doing that yeah coach last question for you when you really get down to the idea of a lot of the kids in South Florida that are great on the football field are division one mindset all the way and like I alluded to in the last question there's just not enough teams uh, to absorb them necessarily across the country you've had probably to have have had to have the conversation about hey division three isn't a bad move it isn't a bad idea kind of give us that speech that you give to them if for anybody out there that might be facing the same uh, situation we have a lot of parents that do watch us that have players that may be interested in division three or might be forced into that that tack i guess that's the best move what, what do you say to your players about division three well let me start at the beginning of that question with you i think sure. it was part of the last question was that 
because of Florida not having as many smaller school opportunities, we yep. really just had the big schools. Our guys understand that they have a very small percentage chance of the kids in Florida are going to be able to stay in Florida to play football. True, right? you're right. going to have to leave. Whether that's for another Division One program, or Division Two, or Division Three, you're going to have to leave anyway. And our school does a really good job preparing our kids for that. That they're going to have to leave and go out there and, and try to find a higher academic um, institution that wants to play football. Now, Division Three wise is a great place that if you're serious about your academics, like we are here, like you can balance of having a great athletic career and also have a great academic career. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I feel like, again, like I said earlier, a lot of my training for where I am in life was because I played Division three football and because I went to a great school that prepared me to, to teach, to be pre- prepare me to be in education. And I talk about all the time with my wife about how well prepared we felt of, you know, being a part of some schools in, in the Northeast to then be into our careers that we are now. So we talk a lot about being able to balance that. You know, I have a unique situation because I played Division three. I was able to play two sports. That doesn't happen mm-hmm. yeah, in other places. That's true. You know, that doesn't happen. Talk about Luke playing in the North Central playing baseball and football. Yeah. 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 It just doesn't happen. You're right. I was I was able to play uh, football and lacrosse at, at Brockport, and you know that doesn't nice. happen at other schools. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of different unique opportunities that you find at Division three that you're not going to find some other places. And for our guys, especially if you're looking for a very high academic schools gosh you can rip off so many great schools at the division three level that you're going to get a great education and you're going to get to play a high level of football i mean i played with some guys uh and coached some guys that you know you know warner josh warner back in 2000 played in the league played in the yeah. nfl yeah. um you know we've had some guys that were were high level players and you're gonna play with some really 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 good football players um so you're gonna get the balance of both worlds and if you're looking for that division three is really the place to be and like i said for our guys you know what's the number now division three playing schools 240 right now 47 i thought i, I was guessing it was about 250 range somewhere we in were there. At 250 you, lost a bunch about 240 now officially yeah. so i mean you're gonna have a lot more opportunities out there because of what you're looking for academically and athletically because of the number of schools too and they're prepared and we talk to our guys about that to prepare them to have to leave florida to find opportunities well, we're glad uh, a lot of them did because they've made it an entertaining division, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Give you a chance right now, shout-outs that you want to make. Normally it's a player <laughs> thing, but you know what? You let us on uh, campus yeah. here, so any shout-outs. No, I appreciate it. I, think I, want, you know, I just want to say hi to uh, my guys at Broadport. You know, Coach Mangoni was uh, you know, office coordinator and took a chance on, on, on me when I was a young coach. And I was his uh, assistant, his wide receiver assistant for, for a while. And, uh, you know, Coach Fox I know really well there at Broadport and all those guys, Coach yeah. Potter, all those guys. Coach Carr at Harwood gave me an opportunity to be a coordinator for the first time and really enjoyed my time there and Oneana is where I met my wife and and where she's from so you know so a lot of really great things a lot of great memories and a lot of great people that I was a part of when I was in Division 3 football. Was Potter always the comedian he is now? I think so I think so I don't know him as well I know I know Steve but I don't know him as well as uh as as Coach Fox and and Coach Mangoni because gosh Coach Mangoni's known me since I was a a young freshman in in 1999 at at Brockport State so you know he's known me in my whole career there so you know I really appreciate you know those guys you know taking a chance on me and getting my coaching career started and you know I have a lot of love for the Division 3 world. I'm going to have to talk to you about your aging secrets because you haven't aged a bit oh, and gosh, I, I hate you for that but I anyway that. Coach thanks for joining us. I appreciate you guys thanks for having me <laughs> and thanks, thanks for having for, us. Thanks for coming yeah. in. Yeah. No, no problem. Thank you guys. Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks coach. Okay, uh, that leaves us uh, with just Twitter questions. Just Twitter questions? Yeah, it's not just. Trust me here. Uh, there's going to be a lot more uh, to this than you think. Uh, so 
uh, first things first, uh, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, uh, the D3 Constitution on the day that we were recording this, uh, or the NCAA Constitution, was approved by about 80% of the vote uh, there, and that's mainly a Division One, Division Two approval, I'm sure. Division Three did not have as much support, but they had uh, a decent amount. And so, maybe 3% support? Yeah, maybe something like that. Well, <laughs> the uh, amount of money that's going to be uh, in D- Division Three's championship coffers is the same pretty much as it's been in 3%. terms of percentage. Yeah, 3% and uh, a change. Uh, but, uh, three for three. You know, overall, there was uh, some discussion about whether or not it should have been higher, and it stayed where it is, and so there's that. Michael Memis, uh, what super conferences would you want to see in D3 football? Tough one there because... I mean, we've always joked around since, like, the early days of this show that, you know, like, the the New York Super Conference, like, combine the Empire 8 and the Liberty League. We've been kind of kicking that around sort of as tongue-in-cheek for over a decade now. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately it's going to depend on, you know, the games. I mean, at least these conferences figured out ways to schedule non-conference games together because in the geographic location sort of assists and if not makes it you know kind of necessary um with some of this realignment or other challenges you're saying you know like if i was the NJAC, i would probably be you know calling up jimmy robertson and and fdu forum be like hey come on down we need yeah. we need help we need you, you. Know? yeah we need you so uh, look, a six-team conference will have will have to schedule for a ten-team yeah. uh, schedule. So that's the ECFC. Five out of conference games. Yeah. Five. That's where the ECFC is, and they're losing SUNY Maritime in another year or two. And so, yeah, they're 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 going to have an uphill battle. I mean, at least places like Keystone and I think Eastern in, in Pennsylvania is starting up football. So we're going to see some new teams coming on board, and maybe that helps solve some of the issue. But there we go. Uh, Jason Rudolph, uh, here's uh, some hot stove off-season thinking. Is there any connection between the Division One transfer portal of the past several years and decrease of D1 transfers to the old D3 powers? Is it adding to more parity in D3? It's a good it's question. A, it's a tough question, too. Yeah. I, I mean... I think one of the things that's leading to parity was COVID ultimately too, uh, and the ability to keep, uh, you know, some superstars on your team around a little bit longer through this past season. Mm. Uh, but then the perennial power still became your, you know, top teams in your listing uh, ultimately. So yeah, you know that that's a tough one to face. Um, I, I would say, I think maybe is the answer, but. I don't think it's just that. I think it's the exposure that the internet is giving more and more to Division Three programs across the country is allowing for more choice. That Mount Union isn't the only one that gets named out there anymore. Yeah, that's a big change for sure, especially in the last five years. And I, I think too, um, you know, unfortunately for you know the kids at like the the D1 and FCS level, um, it's there is a bit of like a backlog, and there's people that are coming and going, and then you know. <sighs> I have a feeling it's not going to necessarily impact D3 as much. We don't really have data that you can really look at and see. Um, you know, every so often you hear about, oh, this guy transferred from here or there. Um, but it's really hard to kind of quantify. But I think at least short term, if there's less opportunities for kids at the, you know, FBS, FCS level, you'd have to assume that, you know, po- they could possibly be trickling down elsewhere. But it's 
we can't really say for sure. And then we'll go to the worst of Division Three. I, I normally wouldn't do this, but you know what? What the heck? Purple Suit asks, is Frank Rossi driving up in a Subaru? How does the UMHB losing the majority of their coaching staff affect 21? How many used cars do they need to acquire? Okay, Purple Suit, first things first. <laughs> yeah. The Subaru, uh, come on, man. <laughs> it, the most abused, overused story uh, oh. to try to, uh, as they say, tool on uh, UMHB. Uh, Here's the thing about UMHB that maybe everybody lost. In 2018 and in 2021, they pretty much proved that the stupidity of the penalties in the first place didn't it didn't really take away from who they are and what they are. They are yeah. a national champion caliber team that started a program in what uh, the late nineties, yeah, early two thousands, yeah, or at least caught fire then. And mm. you know, if you really feel like you need to go there and attack the team for those reasons, you're missing the whole idea of how, why they're a great team. Okay, uh, they're homophobic. Somebody told us online. There's this or that. Yeah, they've treated you so badly. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I really don't want to go back to Belton for that reason. No, they've treated me as, you know, a a member of the media that respects them and vice versa. And there's been no discussion like that. So anybody that wants to start going down this road, and we've got people left and right on Twitter, we're not Mary Harden Baylor apologists, we're reality folks here at the end of the day. And the reality is they're a great football team that gets great players, and they're continuing to roll in the division. So you can either sit there and act like that, or you can do something about it and recruit better on your own yeah. teams and beat them. Okay, or, or ask your college president to build a stadium and a locker room like they have in Belton. I mean... There's a reason why they're attracting a lot of top talent. I mean, you look at the facilities and you look at the uniforms and the whole thing, like the the coverage. I mean, that is a school that is 100% behind their team, and it's not really the case with other Division III schools across the country. It just isn't. Now, to answer the serious part of the question that was in the middle there, (laughs) with the loss of the uh, different coaches uh, going on, replacing a lot of the coaching staff, will it affect the team? Okay, I'll give you you that legitimate uh, question, uh, Purple Suit. Um, The answer is, I don't think so because I believe that Randy O'Rare, the uh, president of the school that I got to speak with after the win on our D3 football broadcast, uh, he values that program, knows what it adds to the school at the end of the day, and is going to make sure that they get the right assistance, the right coordinators to replace, uh, you know, the riser and the lever and whoever else you mm-hmm. want to call it there. Yeah. So... I think they're going to be fine. There may be some slight adjustment period going on there. Do I have them as my favorite to repeat next year right now sitting here? I don't think so. But It's so it, hard to do. It's tough to because I could say that in the abstract. I haven't really thought about who might beat them. North Central is going to be up there in my book still. Yeah. And Mount Union never can call them off. No. So that's a question for a White future waters, day. Whitewater. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So the perennials. And then there's the Muhlenbergs, the world, who let's See how they reach the door still, yeah. Yep. But point being this, I think Mary Harden Baylor will be okay. Uh, maybe not next year's champion, but maybe the following year they'll we'll be see. back in the conversation. Who knows? Who knows? Your final thoughts? Well, I think the the hawk agrees with you on all your prior comments. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that you know, especially, and I'm not like a, so I'm not a real like you know religious guy right I know you go to church regularly that faith is important to you and one of the things that I've really seen from the Mary Hart and Baylor just overall program family that is a very you know faith based like 
you know, be kind to your fellow man, kind of, you know, treat each other with respect, like work hard and, you know, treat each other as like your, you know, your brother and all this type of thing. You know, yeah. Is there, is there stuff that goes on at top football programs that may or may not be, you know, like who knows? I mean, you know, you could point your finger and, and make accusations at, at anybody at this point, you know, these days, but all the individuals that I've been in contact associated with that are top-notch like salt of the earth people who you know really kind of they they, they live by their their faith there that's a whole focus of their their program down there I think and and there's something to be said for that so I don't know the Subaru joke eh. I think that's about six years uh, too late at this point and in the meantime they keep rolling folks so like I said go out and beat them until somebody does, uh, we're going to have them as our reigning national champs. Uh, but we have a lot more to talk about in this offseason, about uh, pro prospects, about next year as we get closer to season 15 of the show. Uh, so we'll be back, uh, and we'll see what happens with this six-team uh, proposal as well. So uh, look for us uh, soon. Uh, look for us on Twitter in the meantime, as mm-hmm. you usually do, at D3FBHuddle, at Frank Rossi. And we will have a lot of information and news for you in the meantime. For instance, we think that uh, Buffalo State has a new coach coming from Cortland. So go look at our Twitter about that. Uh, It has not been formally announced. Football Scoop has that. And uh, we'll not name names here, but uh, we'll see if that develops. But there will be a lot of coaching changes to talk about. And you'll hear it here or see it on our uh, social media of In the Huddle. Thanks for joining us all season long. And now in the postseason, we will see you soon.